Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Woohoo! Wahoo! Hello! Huzzah! (laughs) (laughs) Don't know why I went Ren Fair there, but hi! Huzzah! Huzzah. Hail and well met! Tip tip! (laughs) Sorry. Well, I'm glad we got that out of our systems. Frick yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about we this. Talk about Tobias. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this good, good bird boy. This good, good little bird boy. Yo, good. He is so good. Um, let's see how this goes because this is the, the longest I've ever had to write notes. And as I'm reading page one, I have no memory of this. Yeah. Yeah, I read this like a week ago, so, um, and my notes are a little bit obscure, as they always are, so we'll see, we'll see how this (laughs) goes down. Yeah. On that note, I'll just start talking about this book. Hooray! (laughs) Huzzah! So, we open with Tobias introducing himself and his meadow, And talking a little bit about the meaning of names and, like, how he knew two Rachels and one was, like, a whiny bitch and the other one was, like, the best person he knows. So they mean nothing. And how Tobias used to mean a quiet bully magnet, but now it means this, like, weird hawk man boy who hunts his own food and understands the natural order of things. And it's just a very kind of introspective open. (laughs) Uh, And then... Yeah. I mean, he's got he's got time. Like all he does is he has time to think existentially. Yeah, that's true. And I think he has too much time and needs to hang out more. He needs to take up a hobby like uh, crochet, maybe, or mm-hmm. stamp collecting, perhaps. Ooh, that would be a really good one for a hawk because I could <laughs> see them. From the skies, collect he just all goes stamps. to the post office. <laughs> <laughs> like walks in and takes stamps. Oh, jeez, that would be pretty, pretty good. What if like the bird ones were his favorites? So he arranged them by favorites, and it's all the bird ones first, and then like flowers, Aww. and then like other shit. I I should know. I was just looking at stamps yesterday. <sighs> it's great. It's all great. It's just all great. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Okay, go. So anyways, we find out another hawk is trying to take over his meadow, and he wants to fight the hawk, but he doesn't think he can, because this is just this pure hawk that doesn't know any better, and he, as a human, can't, like, beat up this wild animal. Like, this is crazy. So um, he's just kind of looking at him, and then he sees his prey, tiny baby rabbits that he's been hunting, and... This is another thing that kind of stuck with me is him talking in this book about 
how he has to go after the babies so that the mom lives to like raise another brood of babies Mm -hmm. so that's i don't know why this fact has always like stuck out with me for years but anyways he swoops in to go after this baby rabbit he's gonna catch it and eat it but then the perspective shifts and he's in the rabbit's head all of a sudden and he beefs it pretty hard and then the mother (laughs) rabbit kicks him and then the other hawk swoops in and grabs a baby since everyone else is so distracted and that's how the chapter ends (laughs) we yeah i was really confused at this point because i thought he was having some sort of like weird serial rip sort of empath situation um but as it goes on it sounds like it's just kind of like psychological yeah it definitely i think is psychological but that's that would be that's interesting like it because i've read it before i i kind of knew that it was a psychological thing but Mm -hmm. that would definitely be an interesting um an interesting thing to like read into and think, oh, this could totally be the Elemist is fucking with him again or something like that. Yeah, that's like what that. I thought. Yeah. Because uh. the last time we were with him, the Elemist was just kind of like transporting him randomly. So I thought it was happening again. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I don't know. That's, yeah. That would be a good book, too. This is a good book. I, I don't know why everything I say is making it sound like it's not. Uh, anyways, um, so yeah, so Tobias decides to go flying around, and he's debating whether or not he's going insane if this was a dream, and he's like, maybe this whole Animorphs thing is happening from inside a padded cell where I'm, like, in a straight jacket, and I just think this is happening, but it's really not. Oh, baby. <laughs> I know, that's, and then, like, I got thinking about that, I'm like, well, what if I've constructed this from uh, my padded cell, but anyways, let's not... Whoa. Go down that Whoa. road. Let's not go there, okay? Oh, it's like when people are like, what if you're the only person that like really exists and everybody you know is like fake and I can't handle that? That's some Twilight Zone shit. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it. Let's not go there. Um, <sighs> let's go back to where he's eating roadkill off the ground. <laughs> yeah, and he was saying like, oh, I've seen some older and unluckier unluckier hawks eat roadkill before and this raccoon is so fresh like he's having trouble at first saying like the distinction is it was killed five minutes ago and like if i had killed it fresh he's like it's really not that different i'm just gonna go for it so he swoops in and he starts eating and then he's interrupted because someone calls tobias and it's his nightmare scenario rachel has found him eating roadkill and so he just flies off pretending to be some other hawk. Oh. <laughs> like she's not going to know. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah. Aww. This is a really sad open. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, a few days after, which seemed like a really, there, this book seemed like a really long timeline with Tobias going days between checking in. Like, I thought for sure he'd be checking in, like, every single day. But I don't know. So um, he says a few days after this incident, he's checked in with Jake, and there were no missions. But Jake said, hey, Rachel wants to talk to you. So he's like, all right, cool. That night, heads over to her house. And once her mom and her sisters have gone to bed, he flew in through the open window And he starts talking to her and bringing up, like, hey, you know, the other day. uh," And she just interrupts him. She's like, listen, someone claiming to be your cousin is looking for you. And he's like, what the fuck? (laughs) 
And he kind of like blows it off until Rachel said Chapman was the one that was asking. And then he kind of becomes like, oh, geez, this could be big. Um, Rachel tells him that Jake already agreed that everybody is available for this mission. If you want to stake out this weird cousin that is claiming to want to take you in. And Marco has gone full-blown paranoia mode. But Rachel is ever hopeful for some reason. She's like, but if this works out, you'd have a home to go to. Which is just crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh my god. At this point in the book, like, I, yeah. This is just like the inverse of book three. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and also, um, this entire book, this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but um, this is another kind of, like, you have a decision to make. You can continue to be an Animorph, or you can give it up and have a normal life, which was very similar to one of Rachel's books, when Mm -hmm. she wanted to uh, possibly move with her dad to the new state. Um, So... I think I think um, just kind of knowing that and and seeing it through Rachel's eyes through the rest of this book because um, Rachel's a very prominent character in in this book. Yeah, um, I don't know, just something to think about. Yeah, and I have stuff with Rachel I want to talk about later. Yay! <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's super interesting and it's um a weird kind of carrot to dangle in front of tobias's whole book mm-hmm. that creates her some crazy times uh so um tobias finds out that he's supposed to go meet his alleged dad's lawyer i didn't know where to put alleged here was it dad's alleged lawyer or alleged dad's lawyer because both work yeah both yeah i was about to say alleged dad's alleged lawyer Okay, so he goes to meet his alleged dad's alleged lawyer, (laughs) who supposedly has some sort of documentation on him. Can you see that I was a little unsure? (laughs) Um, But yeah, supposedly has some sort of document to read him and his potential cousin's information. Everything is theoretical. (laughs) Everything's very theoretical. (laughs) Um, But what was really great about this and what was really cool throughout this whole book is we're coming off this David thing, right? So as he's flying... Ugh, David. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, friend David. (laughs) But as he's flying in, he sees all the other Animorphs and they're all positioned around and like very much a cohesive team. And again, more cohesive than before this all happened. Like it's, it's very much like very predictable they're all acting how they should be and they're all very kind of professional about it now um but they're all undercover so jake and cassie are eating nachos across the way marco walks out of the 7-eleven and as he's like walking across the street with this giant ass fucking soda (laughs) he finally wised up and he got a slurpee instead of fucking bread and m&ms yeah come on marco's 7-eleven game is Super improving at this point in the series. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. Are we going to have some fun 7-Eleven times? (laughs) Yeah, we should make a whole segment, Concessions Corner. What did Marco get now? (laughs) Anyways, um, he just got a giant ass fucking drink that, like, Tobias was like, I could have bathed in this cup. 
And I just pictured, you know, the uh, baby size cups from Park and Re- Parks and Rec? Yeah. Which, <laughs> that's what I imagine. How is it's this not child size? Four babies. <laughs> it's the size of a small child. Yes, if it was liquefied, you could fit an entire child into this trick. Uh, so yeah, Marco walks out with the the giant child size, and um, he pretends to bump into Axe, and he's like, "Buddy, what up? Let's get some drink." <laughs> this drink. I like to think Axe just like tore the drink out of his hands and just like dumped it over his face. <laughs> Like he won the Super Bowl. It's <laughs> like with his tongue hanging out, just like, ugh. Oh, that would be so good. Or like tried to like drink it, but trying to grip this cup, like fucked up the straw and it kept going away from his mouth. And he was like doing that weird like blah, blah, like tongue thing. As it <laughs> and then finally just ripped the lid off and started drinking. Oh my God. There's a lot of great scenarios that could have happened. <laughs> Has yeah, he ever yeah. tried to like... Has he ever tried to eat with his feet? Like, I know he wouldn't because he's already discovered the joys of, of eating with the human mouth. But, like, mm-hmm. I wonder if he's ever just kind of been like, I wonder if I can absorb this through my hands or through my feet. I That would be a great scene is him, like, with his one shoe off and, like, pulling off a sock and, like, trying to, like, dip his toes in something. <laughs> and them being like, put your shoes back on. What Come on. Doing, what are you doing? You need those. My oh. artificial hooves were getting in the way. No, put them back on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be good. I love Axe. I love I know Axe I say too. that every episode, but I just love Axe. It's fair. He's a great, great character. It was. It's just incredible to me that they didn't think Axe and Tobias would be compelling enough to like maintain in the in an once every rotation book like everybody else like they're they're so compelling both of them as characters yeah (sighs) man but but i also wouldn't want to replace any of the other characters with them i want i want them to have more books yeah and like since axe came in in the fourth book i think it would have made sense to just put him at the end of the rotation so you get like you know, you get your Jake, you get your Rachel, you get your Marco, and then Cassie. And then there's what's the problem with doing like Tobias and then then Axe? Like it, there's just there's no reason they couldn't just add it on because it wasn't like oh he came into the series on book like twelve and it would have thrown off the run. No, he was there during the original run. Yeah, and and the books are episodic enough that it probably wouldn't you know disrupt the the overarching story too much to just add no. some kind of extra adventures oh god not at all and like there's no reason that some of the books that we get like later on like especially as we get into ghostwriters there's no reason some of those couldn't have been from a different perspective so anyways this Wait. this is just my internal rage <laughs> hey, okay yeah but it's funny because they are so compelling his character i could see maybe a little hesitation with axe just because they're like oh he's an alien like how will that work we're not creative people we run the money side of the business but like with tobias i don't know i don't get it at all yeah anyways (laughs) my own personal rages aside (laughs) um yes marco bumps into axe uh rachel is there too but she is hidden in the laundromat next to the office waiting to go grizzly and bust through the door or bust through the wall rather it's the most rachel um, thing i've ever heard 
Yeah, I like how they're like, everybody else, team up and observe. Rachel, you just be ready to do something insane, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm uh, sure she was okay with that. She was totally fine with that. (laughs) So uh, Tobias swoops in behind a dumpster and starts going through a really sad human morph where everything sucks. (laughs) And then he's like, my teeth suck and I'm I'm just heavy. I almost said I'm fat. He's not fat. He's heavy. (laughs) I'm blind and I can't hear anything. And uh (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was like, do you want to be human? Yeah, seriously. This whole book is like, I could have a life. I could live a normal life with with people that love me. But then I can't fly and I can't hear and I can't see. Yeah. Uh, I was having my doubts at that point. Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Um, So then he gets dressed in the clothes that Rachel left him. And uh, then he starts practicing talking, you know, just to get used to it. He's like, I am Tobias. My mouth works. <laughs> he pulls an axe for a minute and <laughs> play with some mouse sounds. Owns, owns. Ings, ings, ings. <laughs> um, so Tobias walks into the lawyer's office finally, and the secretary was a little dismissive of him at first because he's a child, and he says he's here to see Mr. DeGroot. And I am DeGroot. she says... That's what I thought, too. But then the secretary gets very concerned about this and was like, it's pronounced DeGroat, like boat. (laughs) Which I really appreciate it, actually. It's not often in these books we get a pronunciation help. There you go. So DeGroat, which I will continue to say DeGroot as I read because it's spelled D-E-G-R-O-O-T. So two O's, you pronounce it like an O. Well, I guess that does make it DeGroat. Fuck. Fuck. Why Ah. is she so good at English? Ah. I was a child, damn it. I've never Anyways, heard that surname before, DeGroat. I I don't think I have either. Sounds like goat. I mean, <laughs> Billy. <laughs> Billy DeGoat? De Billy DeGoat. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Sorry. I've just created this whole thing in my head now about him being like a goat lawyer in court and like telling a lot of like really bad like puns and like <laughs> when he when he gets like really upset he's like no <laughs> he just he does that like goat human scream thing exactly <laughs> we better get out of this because we yeah. are distinctly in McElroy territory okay right okay this is chaos. we need to veer out of this yeah, reel it in <laughs> reel it in guys um right tobias is in the office, uh, the secretary calls Mr. DeGoat De <laughs> and says, please let Tobias in immediately. And the secretary is like, oh, I guess you really did have a meeting with this guy. So Tobias heads into the office and has a very strange interaction. It starts with DeGroat um, offering to get him a drink. Tobias goes through this like roller coaster in his head where he was like, what do people drink? What do people drink? And then he was like... I would like a Coke. <laughs> and so like the guy is like, okay. And so he goes to call the secretary and she's like, yeah, I heard a Coke. Got it. I'd like a Coke, please. <laughs> please give me a Coke. Oh, baby. <laughs> Another. <laughs> he just it on the ground. Yes. Oh. Oh, man. But he does like, he takes a sip. And it's cold, and he's, like, freaking out because he can feel the cold, and then he remembers, like, the sugar and all these flavors, and he's like, I understand why Axe gets a little crazy now. <laughs> so, that was great. I love that. Um, I love 
loved that too. And like Fizz too. That's another one that like, I mean, not that I'm in this same scenario, but I, it has been a long time since I've really had to drink pop. So now when I do have like one at random, the Fizz, like I take a sip, I'm like, oh, this is undrinkable. This is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Then I wait for it to get flat and everybody's like, uh, you sure you want to drink that now? And I'm like, I prefer this. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I had a I had a seltzer water the other day. Gross. Um, yeah, Double I gross. was like, I do not see the appeal of seltzer water. I would rather just drink water. Why? Like the it bubbles add stale. nothing. Yeah, it they tastes, add nothing. Yeah, it tastes stale and it tastes weird and it tastes I don't know bad. It's bad. It's everything wrong in this world. <laughs> It's a representation of the state of this terrible world. It's like, let me give you something that's fine. Like, water's not fantastic. It's fine. It's water. Like, of course, like, you'll drink it. It's like, let me take this thing that's fine and make it fucking worse. (laughs) (laughs) uh... I like the healthy amount of rage we have for various, like, inanimate (laughs) objects in this podcast. (laughs) Like, we're, we're done with being mad at, like, a character, a.k.a. David, and now we're just mad at, like, everything else. <laughs> like, we're carrying over our rage from the David arc, but now just, like, pointing it at whatever comes in front of us. Fuck water. Fuck coke. <laughs> fuck. Water's a fuck. Why would you add bubbles to it? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, there's <laughs> a lot of rage in this weird hot clothes i have <laughs> oh yeah you still got your your rage clothes still got my rage clothes on Oy. oh man anyways <laughs> yeah so the lawyer is like he starts telling him some weird shit he's like your dad left some sort of estate which to me means money oh there's a bird on my head hang on <laughs> you've got head pigeons sorry i got a pigeon head um, yeah, so he says he left you some sort of estate, which I think means money most of the time, or like property, like something of value, right? But assets, um, assets of some sort. But it, it, like, there's this mysterious letter that's a part of it to be read on your next birthday, and the date of this birthday, Tobias does not know. <laughs> um, and then the lawyer makes some comment like, "Your dad might not be who you think he is," and Tobias doesn't really know his dad super good so like i don't know what the deal is i was just wondering Sorry. if he was gonna learn he was part andalite in this book were you disappointed uh hold on i'm trying to remember if he did learn yeah he did um yes <laughs> yes you're disappointed <laughs> i was disappointed Uh. (laughs) well that takes care of my questions later let's wrap this up (laughs) no no. the show must go on um yeah so he's like your dad may not be who you think he is your alleged dad with his alleged lawyer theoretically might not be who you might think he is potentially (laughs) right through all of us he is a lawyer just put those in there at times (laughs) Uh, so this whole interaction ends with Tobias agreeing to meet his cousin at the Hyatt the following morning, where there's some dialogue about how he knew it, because there was a peregrine falcon that nests there, but he couldn't tell anybody that, and blah, 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 and then he leaves. Um, so Tobias walks out of the office, his mind's kind of reeling, 
And the other Animorphs are watching him closely, but he gives the okay signal, which was to go into the 7-Eleven and pick up a mountains bar, put it back down and not acknowledge Marco and Axe. And like the not okay signal was to like walk into a donut shop, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It was very weird. Very odd. Um, but yeah, so he gives the okay signal and then he leaves and then he hears Jake's thought speak voice saying, hey, someone's following you. So switching to my notes. This is where my printer kicked in, guys. <laughs> not by an ink, I tell you. Uh, yeah. So he walks for a moment and then takes a sharp turn across traffic. And Jake confirms, yep, this guy's after you. So he ducks into an Applebee's, dashes, like, into the kitchen, out the other side. And then Jake's like, all right, cool, you lost him. Device is like, great. He heads towards a public bathroom, which they specify is the kind where there's a gap at the top of the stall. Like, there's a roof on it, but there is a gap. The wall doesn't go all the way up which is convenient as fuck. And also, I've seen them. They exist. I know they do. And uh, so he goes in there to demorph. Cassie gives him the all clear, and then he takes off out of the open area of the bathroom. And fucking runs away. And runs away. And, like, he's, like, just going through all this stuff of, like, someone might actually want me. They Like, I might have somebody. Or they might, like, kill me and take all my secrets. I just don't know. It's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so what did you think at this point about tobias potentially having a new like parental figure did you just call bullshit i mean the guy following him is kind of a big tip off um Mm -hmm. that's not great um no (laughs) yeah and uh, i don't know again i like when i read these books i try not to like theorize too much because i just like to have you know level expectations and then let whatever happens in the book wash over me and then react to it according accordingly like mm-hmm. when i go into a book or a movie i'm not trying to like guess the ending or guess what's going to happen um so we enjoy things very differently <laughs> you, you do that oh oh yeah i walk into a movie and i'm like i'm gonna have this figured out 20 minutes before it ends damn it oh no that's like I, let me just derail this podcast do once it. again. Do it. One of the best stories that I have with Scott is we were watching this movie one time that he had been talking up for weeks. He's like, you gotta watch it. It's this crazy, like, mystery thing. He's like, it's a twist ending. You'll never guess it. He's like, I was so thrown when it happened. Blah, blah, blah. He went on and on about it. So we're watching it, and the guy gets cornered on a roof. He's about to be shot, and I'm like, oh, this entire thing was fake. This was all set up from a game. They're going to shoot him with fake blood packs and, like, drop him downstairs, and then he'll find out it was all a game. And then it all happened, and Scott was so mad. He was like, (laughs) what the fuck? How did you... You've seen this before? I'm like, I've never seen this movie before. I just fucking... It was obvious. Oh, my God. I got so, like, so upset. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So that's how I go into movies, is I'm like, I want to know the end. And that's, I think, sometimes why I enjoy movies about books I've already read more. Because Uh. I'm like, oh, I know I enjoy this, and I, like, know what's going to happen, so I can enjoy it that much more, because, like, I'm looking out for my favorite part. Gotcha. Well, at least you're not like Matt, who, like, will will turn on a movie... And we'll be watching it. And then, like, five minutes in, he'll get bored. And he'll turn on Wikipedia and, and read the synopsis and find out the ending. No, you have to suffer through I it, know. man. 
I get so mad at him. I'm like, dude, just let experience a movie. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to let me go back <laughs> to this book that we're reading, which I would definitely watch a movie of, by the way. <laughs> uh, you know, I sorry, one more derailing, and then I'll get Good. back. With the way that like big movies are going now where it's these like remaking everything and like doing four or five, six movies about stuff like, you know, Marvel movies, X-Men, Thor, Avengers. Cinematic universes. Exactly. Would it really be that crazy to suggest a full length movie of every single Animorphs books? Like actors wise, because they age. Yes. But. Right contractually or like how things go with movie making like i don't feel like that future is that far away honestly though i think i'm going back to the discussion we've had before and i think a netflix series would be like the perfect medium yeah i agree like each book is a 45 minute episode and yeah right and like they have the budget for it where they could do the more impressive cg but also they could use you know tricks of the trade to like hide stuff and you know yeah yeah i mean really every single book we only at this point get one extremely descriptive morph sequence otherwise it's just so and so morphed like yeah that that could work for the netflix series like having the budget one major morph sequence after the first few you know intro episodes where everything's new and it's all cool and everything's different like you know they i don't know they they netflix is a good medium for it netflix do yeah. it netflix do it netflix Maybe. they listen to this podcast probably do it so you had mentioned there's a graphic novel in the works right that is the word on twitter from okay. michael grant right. and ka applegate so yeah. So they maybe, would know better than me. <laughs> maybe after the graphic, maybe the graphic novels like, like the hey guys, remember Animorphs? Like get hype, and then they'll do a TV show. Yeah, like yeah, that would be so good. Like, um, my friend is always kind of making the argument of like, you know, just because you write something doesn't automatically mean like you have to make a movie of it. You know, it's it, movies are not the superior, like the pinnacle of the of the art form or anything. But no. I just want to absorb Animorphs in as many medium as possible. Yeah, I like. I agree with that. Because at the end of the day, the best, most realistic morph sequences are going to be reading it and imagining it in your mind. Yeah. that's It's going to be seamless that way. It's going to look realistic. Like, you're going to get everything from that. But I would so love to see this, like, in a cinematic universe. Because it is such a great story. And such... It's dealing with a subject that like kids books don't deal with Mm -hmm. so it's like think about how huge the hunger games was this is a kind of similar dystopian kind of trauma-based society that could they could get back into yeah yeah i I think it's time maybe a little after the the height of this although i don't really know with all the like superhero type movies coming out maybe not but I think it could be done, and I think it could be done really well at this point. Yeah. <sighs> Not like the TV show that exists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited to watch and review that with you, though. I am, too, actually. <laughs> it's going to be a fun time. Yay. Yes. All right. 
Let's get back to this book. Okay. All right. So Tobias does not want to talk about what just happened. He wants to think about it, and uh, we get a little more into how every Animorph will react, and he just doesn't want to deal with it right now. So he's talking about how, like, you know, Marco will interrogate every single moment, and Cassie will ask him, like, how everybody said every single thing they said so she can try to, like, get a handle on it. And, uh, you know, Jake just listening and judging silently. And he's like, I can't handle it. I gotta go. I gotta go somewhere else. This is just too crazy. Um, so he flies off and the others see him, but they let him go. And he flies off to the Horkbizur Valley that the Elemis created. And once he's there, the Horkbizur are all excited to see him. But Toby explains that they need him. And he's like, I didn't come here because you needed me. I came here to get away from everything. And that's when we find out that the newest Horkbizur, a child named Beck, has been taken. And that is when I realized I fucked up the order of the books again. Oh, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> um, it's not that horrific, I think. I, I have to wonder if they... Because they mentioned that Toby is um, a seer, basically. Yeah. And she's, like, this, like, super hyper-intelligent Horkbidger. I kind of have to wonder if they talk about that in Horkbidger Chronicles. Huge. Huge point gotcha. in those books. Okay. Yeah, you would absolutely know that so, like, immediately from those books. Like, it wasn't too much of a departure for me to buy that when I was reading this book. Um, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, you know, she's just really, really smart. And it's kind of like a an edge case as far as the Horkbidger go. Like, yep. okay. Yep. Yeah, and they explain, like, the reasoning behind that. And at this point, we will have already posted the Horkbizur Chronicles, so the audience <laughs> yes. is getting this in order. Oh, but no. just so you guys know, I fucked up for the second time with a Megamorphs book slash Chronicles book. You know? And uh, I caught it the first time. This time I did not, so I'm going to redo my list. But, uh, yeah, it they explain kind of the reason that came about and how it happened and, like, why these seers exist and like there's just that book takes place mostly completely away from this main series it is like horkbizur horkbizur centric we talk about them we don't talk about them with the animorphs we talk about the horkbizur mm-hmm. so it's a great book but it's very separate to this and like knowing what a seer is is kind of like it's important to this book but like it is Totally explored in the Horkbizur Chronicles. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a, a really intelligent Horkbizur that leads them, basically. Because as soon as there's, like, you know, an intelligent Horkbizur, they just kind of take over. <laughs> <laughs> I am your leader uh, now. I am the leader. I'm a child, I but I will still boss you around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's kind of how it goes. So what else? <laughs> what else can I answer? <laughs> I I really like this part coming up um, when they say that Beck is missing and Tobias swears a lot. Yeah. Fucking was it Jerahammy is like, what do those words mean? What is fuck? <laughs> what? Please explain to what me is what shit is. Fuck. <laughs> and Tobias is just like, no, no, never mind. I'll tell you when you're older. Just. Don't repeat those words. Yeah. <laughs> what is the meaning of motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the only reason I want to hang out with children is to teach them swear words so I can have this moment. Oh my God. 
Uh, Jesus. <laughs> yes, so that happens. Um, and then we find out that Beck wandered out of the community, was taken by something or someone, and Tobias also gets a bomb dropped on him that the Horkbizier have actually been leaving their valley at night to capture enslaved Horkbizier and free them, and their community is growing rapidly. <laughs> Minor detail! Just gonna throw that one out there. <laughs> like, <sighs> oh Jesus Christ! I mean, um, he has—he has to have wondered where all these other Horkbajir come from, right? No, that's the thing. He didn't. <laughs> he was blindsided by this. He should have. He should have been like, "Oh, look, there's a hundred of you now. Last time there was only thirty. Oh well, guess you just appear." No, Tobias, you should have thought this through. Either that, or Jera and Kat have just been really busy. They've been having all, the, but they're like fully grown. Like, I mean. <laughs> we, we don't yet know how fast Torquemadure mature, I guess. But he knows when Toby was born, yeah, that's true. so he should be able to like say, "Hey, you're bigger than Toby," and I didn't think they were pregnant before Toby. So, oh my God. <laughs> this entire book is Tobias not thinking through things, which is weird which because is he has fine. a lot of time to think. Like he does. when he's hanging out in his meadow, but then when it actually comes to the action moment, he's like. Lacking a little bit. Yeah, he like, he like gets too introspective. It's almost like this event that happens right up front where it's like, you could have family. He's like, I must now search within myself to see what I truly want. And like, that consumes his every waking thought. Like, he doesn't notice anything else. Which makes sense. I mean, like, it's, that would be huge for him because this isn't like oh no you've been trapped as a hawk and you don't have a family anymore this is like no one has cared about you your entire life and now you could have something someone yeah like it's huge but still like come on man you had to have noticed the mysterious 40 other horkers are showing up they're seven feet tall man anyways (laughs) he didn't notice it no, nope. he was surprised. <laughs> he was mildly <laughs> taken aback. He was moderate. Oh, oh, jeez, <laughs> that's where you came from. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Poor Tobias. He was probably just too afraid of getting the Horkbajer sex talk. <laughs> where, did all, where did these Horkbajer come from? When a mommy and daddy love each other very oh, much. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> moving right along. Uh, yeah. So Tobias quickly susses out that it was Toby who's behind this plan, and she's trying to keep them all from being stuck in a zoo if the humans ever win the war. Um, they tell Tobias that they're not going to admit where they free the Horkbajer from, because they know the Animorphs will, like, blow it up if they do. She's not fucking wrong, but (laughs) they're like, we don't want you to blow it up. This is how we get, like, people to be on our team. And they're like, okay, great. And then Tobias is like... Well, if you tell me where it is, I give you my word that I won't let the Animorphs destroy it. But I need to know because Beck may have followed the scent there. So let me know. Cut to the next morning. We're in Tobias's meadow. The other hawk is hunting in it and coming up empty. And then Tobias sees what he's been waiting for. A little baby rabbit. So he goes in for the kill. He's on a perfect sight line to it. And then his vision flips and he like pulls up from dive bombing this rabbit screaming what is happening to me <laughs> so this is all very dramatic oh no <laughs> uh and, and then we cut to the barn whoops sorry what were you gonna say oh i was about to say he begins being very hangry 
Yeah, then then we get hangry Tobias. I mean, that could be another factor, too, with not, like, focusing on other things. Yeah, he's got... He actually does have a lot on his mind, you know? Yeah. And his, his basic needs of eating are not being met, necessarily. Yeah, so... I... Excuse everything I just said in a rage. Yeah. Tobias, you are correct. I'm sorry. Cut him some slack. I got angry. I'm going to cut you a lot of slack. I didn't mean to get so angry a second ago. <laughs> I'm just very poor at controlling my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> my filter needs to be changed. My filter. I am flashing red and nobody's bought new ones yet. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, and... Okay. And then, and then, there is a admittedly kind of adorable Marco Rachel moment that further fuels his, his anger. Oh, there is! Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh. oh, this was so cute. This did give me a little pang of, like, maybe, maybe Marco and Rachel wouldn't be the worst. Yeah. But I am steadfast in my love for Tobias and Rachel, as proven later in this book. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, so we cut to the barn meeting. Um, Tobias recapped to everybody what happens, uh, and then dropped on them that there's a Horkbajer kid missing. And Marco starts freaking out about never getting a break. He's like just raving on and on about like how we never get to pause, we never get to take a moment. And video games, there's a moment, and we can't do that. We can't hit save. But and haven't uh, they not been doing anything for like three days? Yeah. <laughs> Which is what kills me. I'm like, you just did get a break. He got too complacent in their break. Now he, he wants more. He was like, I'm on vacation, damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Rachel told him to shut up. He's like, it's not like, she's like, it's not like you had anything better to do. In your old life, you would have spent all this time trying to figure out what girl you're going to annoy next. And Marco puts his arm around Rachel and he says, now I always know what girl I'm going to annoy next. And then puts his head on her shoulder. And then Rachel pushes him away. <laughs> but it was cute. <laughs> it was really cute. <laughs> uh, and Tobias got a little bit jealous because he's like, these are moments that I can't have with anybody. Not that he would do that anyway. I feel never. Like. No. no. He's a sweet little boy that would never cause this sort of trouble. <laughs> he would still be like, Sitting on a hay bale in the corner, like, wringing his hands together, mm -hmm. like, oh, no, what are we going to do? <laughs> uh, he's so cute. He's good. He's so good. Um, anyways, once this act is over, Jake gets down to business. To defeat. To defeat the Huns. The Huns. <laughs> <laughs> this is why uh, we're best friends. Yay! <laughs> this, and, I mean... You agreed to read all of Animorphs. I did. <laughs> and on. discuss each one at length. Yeah, and then put in the <laughs> work editing and publishing. <laughs> <laughs> so I could just have you in some sort of like really like sick relationship <laughs> here. <laughs> Speaking of Animorphs. <laughs> They all go to work. Axe and Marco are going to go break the internet, probably. And Cassie and Jake are going to go wolf to see if they can find Beck. And then Tobias and Rachel are going to go scout out Aria, which is the name of his cousin, which they did mock earlier in the book, to my agreement. 
Yeah. Aria is a weird name. They're like, is that, is that a type of opera? And I'm just like, that's a hotel in Vegas. <laughs> I think it is a type of operatic scene, though, too, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, good. I was like, wait, did, did I only believe that because of Animorphs for all this time? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so... They go to find Arya at the hotel. Oh, before that happens, um, when yes. Rachel is morphing into Eagle, there's this really, really awesome description that Tobias has about, like, he loves it when she turns into an eagle because it's kind of like becoming yes. who you are on the inside. Yes. Ugh. And here's... I'm going to reveal to you one of the secrets of the inner Animorph Sanctum. Um People quote that a lot of the time as to Tobias, like as evidence for he could be into animals or he could be gay because Rachel turns into a male eagle and they quote her transforming into a bird. The part that they tend to leave out was right after that when he said, I'm not attracted to the eagle because one, hawks and eagles don't mate. Two, she has a male morph. And like three, I'm just not into that. I am attracted to the sense of the power coming out of her. It's like her inner mm-hmm. sense of strength and just like as he describes bald eagles as these amazing birds that are just like, you know, you see them and you're in awe. He goes, that's just Rachel coming out of there. Yeah. So I just wanted to point that out because I do see a lot of the time people like, oh, you don't think Tobias is gay for birds? Here you go. And it's like, Tobias well, is a furry. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of what it is. People are like, Tobias is like a furry or feathery? What would you I, call it? Sure, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just this moment where like I read that a lot. And there's been times where I've read that out of context. And I've been like, yeah, man, that does sound like, okay, like I can see where these theories are coming from. But then when you reread it and like hear about how it's really just him admiring her coming out and like displaying this like power and majesty that she has that's like it takes on a totally different context Mm -hmm. it really does so Hmm. anyways um yeah so that that was very cool and then he also drops the fact that you know benjamin franklin said a turkey should be the symbol of america but he must have never seen an eagle and i'm like no dude turkeys are also rad so they're and tasty (laughs) ah see i don't like the taste of turkey That's one of my least favorites, chicken and turkey. Huh. I mean, not that you eat a lot of meat anyway. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. But <laughs> I only eat fishes. But um, yeah, I'm not a fan of the taste of turkey or chicken or almost anything. <laughs> I hate everything. <laughs> I hate everything. I only eat bread, plain bread. <laughs> and cheesecake. <laughs> and cheesecake. <laughs> what a fucked up diet that would be. <laughs> Uh, I eat only carbs. Anyways, um, yeah, so they're flying out there. Uh, this is where my notes are kind of hard to read, so forgive me. But, um, Rachel starts asking Tobias, like, when's your birthday? He's like, I don't know, maybe three days from now. And she kind of thinks he's joking, but he's definitely not joking. And then they start flying off towards the hotel, and Tobias starts telling Rachel, like, hey, I've been monitoring it, and, um, like, I kind of know what's going on here, and I know what room she's in, and Rachel's like, well, how would you know that? Like, he's like, I called the front desk, and then she's like, how? And he's like, well, I just went flying around, and I looked for a quarter in a drive through line, like, people lose them there all the time, and so I got some quarters, I made a phone call, 
And Rachel's like, you are the master of adapting to weird situations. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of fun. <laughs> uh, and then Tobias lets slip that he's having problems back at the meadow. Rachel presses him a little bit. He's reluctant to tell her, but he eventually does say, like, hey, there's, like, a hawk moving in on my territory and blah, blah, blah. And Rachel's like, kick his butt! And then it gets cut off by them arriving at the hotel. So I have a note. There. Yes. So I really like, um, because I, I feel like both Rachel and Tobias do not like to burden other people with their problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they come from very different places. Because Rachel you know, wants to appear strong for everybody. But Tobias, I think, is more, like, self-deprecating. And he just thinks that, like, this is my problem. I don't want to bother other people with my problem. Um, And it's just more of a, like, self-deprecating route. And I I was wondering if, like, maybe Tobias doesn't want to confide in Rachel and appear vulnerable because he feels like she is rarely vulnerable? Question mark? I could totally see that. Um, I could see that, and I could also see he doesn't want to tell her because he admires her so much. He's like, she wouldn't bitch about it, so I'm not going to bitch about it. Like, I could see both of those things. And as we start seeing throughout this book, like, Rachel is opening up to him Mm -hmm. more than anyone else. So he would know if she was, like, more vulnerable with this. So I could totally see that. Yeah. Well, and, and her first instinct when he tells her about the hawk is kick his butt. Like, it's it's yeah. such, like, the straightforward, direct, like, obvious route that he's probably, right. like, he doesn't want to get into the nuances of what that means. Yeah, and he spent all this time telling us or thinking to himself about how, like, you know, I, I'm a human. I can't, you know, kick wildlife butt because that's not fair. But, mm-hmm. Like, so we know from his perspective there's a lot more nuance and we also know that he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. So it's not like he could say, I can't kick his butt because, like, that would just be wrong. And they could have this back and forth give and take discussion like he has with Cassie about, yeah. like, the morality of killing animals. Like, he doesn't ever really want to have that with Rachel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because he's trying to avoid conflict with her or he just, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting, though. Yeah. Good character moment. And I really like their interactions in this book, too. Me too. Overall. Aww. Aww. Um, and then they get to the hotel. So Tobias is bitching about how he can't see with the sun at this angle. And Rachel's like, oh, really? I can totally see everything. And Tobias is like, well, yeah, eagles eat fish. Duh. So, of course, you can see through the glass, Rachel. She's like, oh, must be so hard for you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, so they scout out where they think Aria's room is. And Rachel sees her changing into an out-of-date dress. And she has a bunch of camera equipment. And Rachel is very upset about this dress. And Tobias is kind of like, oh, yeah, a few years out of date. That makes sense if she's been in Africa for a few years. And Rachel's like, please, for the love of God, could you not have updated your closet even a little bit? So I appreciated that moment just because Rachel got so mad about a stupid thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So um, Tobias asks if it's safe to look after a while. He wants to make sure he's not going to catch sight of her in her undergarments. 
And Rachel asks if he's always this polite about being a peeping Tom, which makes Tobias extremely affronted. (laughs) And they banter back and forth a little more, but Tobias is basically like, absolutely not. I would never be a peeping Tom. I can only use my powers for good, not for evil. And then they kind of laugh about it a little bit. But Tobias is very affronted. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? Um, how to accuse me Madam. of being a peeping Tom? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> He's probably sitting there like, does Rachel think I've ever seen her in her undergarments? No. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> we are 13. How dare you? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm reassured by this, though. Good job, Tobias. <laughs> Teenage boy, still not going to look. Aww. So they banter a little more until Arya gets a phone call and excitedly runs out of the room. And Tobias is like, something is really weird, but I don't know what it is. Oh, God. Here's this shit show that's about to go down. (laughs) Let me just get through this as fast as I can because this is a fucking disgrace. My next note is just idiots in all caps. And I was like, what happened here? Oh, yeah, that. (laughs) Yeah, that. This is like, this is the part I forget about all the time. <laughs> so Arya hails a cab and that sucks because it's impossible for them to keep up with the car. Like even in the city where they're slowed down, they stop frequently. Tobias is like, have you ever tried keeping up with a car in a straight line before? It's very hard and it sucks. So Tobias is like, I got a plan. They see a cop car. They dive down onto the roof of the cop car. Rachel gleefully following Tobias's lead here, who has just said to her, I have this fucked up plan. And she's like, let's do it. So Tobias is kind of explaining the best way to fly and to cut the wing feathers and the tail feathers and blah, blah, blah. And somehow they land on the top of the sirens lights of the cop car. Everybody's looking at them. This was a very obvious maneuver. But they're relying on the fact that nobody's going to tell a cop something when they're driving. Which is true. I stand by that. Yeah. Um, I 100% stand by that. (laughs) I just think this is so weird because Tobias is always like, oh, we're all birds of prey and we can't hang out because all the bird watchers will think it's suspicious. And and then Mm -hmm. you pull this shit and I'm like, all right. Yeah. And then he's like, let's dive on the top of a cop car, an eagle and a hawk hanging out on a car. All right. Yeah. Like, at the very least, they could have, like, play fought, like, so it looked like there was something going on yeah. there. Like, oh, of course they landed on the roof of the car. They're in a fight, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Whatever. <sighs> she could have gently torn out a few neck feathers, like, oh, sorry, and, like, tossed them aside, you know? They could have made, made it look really real. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> um, for some reason, the cop car and the cab are in the same direction, whatever. But then the sirens go off and just deafens them. The lights are going off. The cops have gotten a call and they take off towards the incident. They hit like 50 to 60 miles per hour. And it's just not good for these guys. They are trying to stay streamlined. They're trying to like ride out the wind. It's not going well, though. It's buffeting them. It's very bad. And then Tobias is like... I have a crazy maneuver to keep following the the taxi car, but I have to jump off this cop car, blah, blah, blah. And Rachel's like, just tell me, I'm following. So he does this insane maneuver where he just clips his tail feathers and his wing feathers and uses the force of the wind speed to just kind of shoot himself up. 
And then midair, he launches up towards a helicopter and he's like just shot, like shot out of a cannon, basically. And as he approaches the helicopter, he flips upside down and then grabs the rotors and just hangs there upside down. And he tries to pull this cool move with Rachel, like, see you later, Rachel. And then she's like, we're all stopped here. (laughs) So then he feels like an absolute tool because he just did this really, really cool maneuver. But then the helicopter just hovers over the scene and doesn't go anywhere. He was trying to impress the girl he likes. Yeah. And then the taxi pulls up. So he just kind of like lets go and floats away. Like, oh, shit. But she did tell him it was cool. She told him multiple times it was cool, and he did mention how many times he felt like a tool, but Rachel kept assuring him, like, I know that wasn't necessary, but that was so cool. I love that. Yeah, she could tell he was embarrassed, and she told him, like, four or five more times throughout this book how cool that maneuver was. Whereas if it were, like, Marco, she would have just mocked him. Exactly. She would have, like, totally taken him down. (laughs) Even if it was, like, Jake, she would have taken him down. Cassie, she probably would have supported Axe would never have done such a stupid <laughs> no. fucking thing. jeez. <laughs> uh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was very good. Um, very, very good. So, anyways, uh, Arya gets out of the cab and starts walking to a nearby location that turns out to be a really shitty roadside zoo. Um, it's Frank's Putt-Putt and Safari Land. They see some really sad alligators out back and, like, a shitty putt-putt course with a pirate theme. And then Tobias spots a sign that's extremely offensive that says Midget Monster and Living Razor. Yeah. Like, you know, these were written in the 90s. Yeah. But still. (laughs) I mean, Living Razor, that's fine. Like, obviously, it's offensive to Hork Fisher, but, like, Midget Monster. (sighs) Cut that one out, you know? Well, Frank is a terrible person anyway, so. Frank is fucking awful. Every Frank I've ever met has been very nice. (laughs) This one sucks. (sighs) Anyways. (laughs) Uh, they decide they need to check this roadside attraction out, and they are discussing how best to sneak in when Rachel comes up with a plan, potentially just to, like, outdo Tobias's shitty plan. <laughs> um, yeah, so she decides that, and then Tobias does try to argue, and he tries to, like, poke fun at it, and Rachel's like, really? After your maneuver, you're gonna mock my plan? And Tobias just shuts Aww. up. So... <laughs> She takes off, steals the guy who's taking tickets out front, his toupee, and drops it onto one of the alligators. <laughs> and then they just demorph slash morph human and walk right in. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. Um, they follow Arya through the safari area where they're introduced to several very, very sad animals in cages. And Rachel had originally said, like, do not ever tell Cassie that we came to this place. Like, she hates these places. And now that she's in there seeing these animals cramped in these god-awful, abusive conditions, she's like, let's tell Cassie that this is here. Like, I'm ready for a fucked-up mission, side mission that Jake doesn't know about where we free all these bitches. And she makes to mention that she's, like, pretty meh about animals in general. And I'm like, Rachel, you helped Tobias free a hawk in book three, and you helped... Cassie, like, 
take out an elephant trainer at the circus. Like, you have been involved in multiple animal rights movements. And you dealt with the parrot thing at the Rainforest Cafe. Like... And you turn into animals to fight bad guys. I am not buying what you're selling, Rachel. Yeah. And also, like, not only that, but, like, right after she's like, meh, animals, you know, she goes like, look at that bear in that cage. I'm going to bring my grizzly bear and show him what, you know, big cousin to this little black bear. I'm going to show him what a real bear is like. Like, don't fucking lie to me, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) She's great. Uh, she is she's great. She's like, I've, I've talked about this before. Like, she started off in the series as like not being my favorite character. She is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters. <laughs> I mean, they're all my favorite characters. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, they're all, but yeah, they're Rachel's favorite. like, I, I adore Rachel so much. Yeah. Like, I can't even tell you. Oh man. Yeah, she's awesome. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so they eventually, um, as they're wandering through this animal abuse maze, they eventually run into <laughs> Frank and Arya. Just <laughs> the best kind of maze, uh, other than corn. They eventually <laughs> run into to Frank and Arya, and they are talking outside of this sad little cage with this little baby Horkbajer mm, thing in it. So sad. I know. And they describe it as, like, its blades were still tiny and softer than the adults. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's cute. I mean, I would hope so, because I was trying to think about how Horkbajir give birth. Oh, see, wouldn't it be cool if it came out, like, um, have you ever seen horse hooves when they're born? No. Okay, well, it's really creepy, but really cool. Are they super soft? It actually, they're super soft, but they also have, like, almost, like, Bloomin' onion type stuff going on there where like they have all of these like triangular kind of like shards that open up over it what? and it's this super soft fleshy stuff Ew. that wears off within like a few hours of them being able to stand up which of course is like a few hours yeah. after they're born yeah. um but it's so it protects the mom as they're coming out from getting like these hard hooves anywhere yeah. and it's really really cool looking so I, like, imagine something like that where, like, the blades are soft and probably have, like, some sort of soft protection mm-hmm. on there. But then, like, within a little while, that fleshy stuff falls off. And then they have the soft little blade that hardens up as they get older. And, oh, it would just be cute. Nice. Yeah. That's what I hope for. I'm not. That's not in any book. I'm just making <laughs> up my wish list of what I'd like you to know. <laughs> oh, that wasn't me getting pedantic. I just want you to know my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Um, yes, so there's the baby, the baby Horkbajir, and um, Arya wants to take a picture, and Frank's like, that'll be extra, I don't know why I'm gonna adopt this voice, but this is what I imagine, is <laughs> he's gonna, like, that's gonna be extra, I'm gonna have to charge him more for that, and then Arya's like, well, you know, this is, like, I'm a nature photographer, blah, 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 are, are you having a, like, newspaper coming over? Well, he's like, yep, already hired the news to come take the story. And then um, Arya, like, starts saying, like, you know you could call it an alien. Nobody would know what this is, so you could say it's anything. You might want to even say it's an alien from outer space. <laughs> I just imagine the, uh, who's the, the lady from, uh, Cassie's book with the horses, the 
Crazy Helen? Crazy Helen. I can imagine Crazy Helen just like booking it out there. <laughs> An alien like, in my backyard? Yeah! I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> I've been telling you forever. Take this pecan log <laughs> as a form of a ticket. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> That's so good. Oh, man. Um, yes. So, anyways, since she can't take a picture, she eventually just says, like, hey, why don't you think about, like, treating these animals a little better? And then, like, walks out of the building where Tobias and Rachel kind of tail her, but, like, stay in the shadows so they can't be seen. And she just walks out the front door of this place and stands in the street looking up for a moment with a weird smile on her face. And then a limo comes screeching out of nowhere. And that's just ignored by Tobias. Yeah. That's weird. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't. The limo thing. It's kind of a thing that happens, you know, when a certain someone's around, <laughs> but I guess we'll just fucking ignore that. <laughs> he, he to this is... day, every time I see a limo, I'm like, ugh, evil. <laughs> he, Tobias has, like, selective attention span. I would love to play Clue against him, because I'd probably win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he really does. Like, some things he, like, picks up on very quickly, but, like, I don't know. I... I forgive it in this book, though, because he is still focused on this is somebody I could live with. Somebody might want to take me in. Somebody might actually like me. Yeah, like, this could this be a life-changing... Hope against hope yeah. type thing. Exactly. So he's, like, kind of overlooking these sorts of clues because, Aww. you know... Baby. Yeah. Yeah, little baby. Um, so we cut to the barn where the kids are all in agreement that they go in tonight to get the hork and then they all sit down and do homework for a while. <laughs> Axe <And> mansplains. <laughs> Axe mansplains science. And Tobias just hangs out looking at homework. And he also mentions in this book that sometimes he goes in and does Rachel's math homework just for fun. Yeah, what the? I was like, that's cheating, but okay. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I agree. Math is Unless stupid, he's bad but... at math. <laughs> What if the joke was he's really bad at math and Rachel has to redo it in the morning, but she just lets him think he can do math at night? That's adorable. Aww. Aww. (laughs) But yeah, so they just hang out. um, And there's this really, really, really sweet moment between Axe and Cassie where... Axe is trying to explain, like, you know, oh, that's not at all how gravity works. And, like, you know, we, the the Andalites, you know, we can explain this. And, like, it relies on something called the seventh force, blah, blah, blah. And Cassie just kind of turns around and says to him, like, Axe, it must be so hard to be stuck here with nobody that's able to have a conversation with you on your level. And Axe just goes quiet. Oh. Like, he was like, oh, uh, uh. oh. <laughs> oh. So... That was really sad, but sweet. (sighs) Yeah. I love him. I love him so much. And I really loved Cassie in that moment, too. Because, like, everybody else is giving him shit. Like, come on, Axe. Like, you know we don't understand. Or, like, I don't get what you're talking about. And Cassie is just, like, very sweetly. Mm -hmm. Like, this must be so hard for you. (sighs) Yeah. I want to adopt X. Me too. And Tobias. Yes. Just come live with yes. me. I mean, there's a bird 
fixing my hair right now <laughs> as I talk to you on this podcast. It's a little wacky, so I mean, come on in. Oh, <laughs> ay, ay, ay. But yeah, um, so they it's finally go time. They head out to Frank's that night, and the plan is that Tobias, Rachel, and Jake go in Group A. They're breaking in, grabbing the Horkbizer. Cassie will be ready to grab Beck and run, and Rachel is already like, it's really hard to see out here. I might take down three walls instead of just the one. And uh, then the lights cut out, and it's go time. (laughs) So Rachel goes elephant. She starts breaking down a wall. It's going well. So she backs up and really fucking tears the place down. I wrote, she goes buck wild. (laughs) (laughs) And then Tobias rushes in as a horkbizer and gets to the cage where the baby horkbizer Beck is being held. And there are three guards, two with guns and one with a draken beam. And that's when Tobias says, uh, we have problems. So one of the guards lowers the gun at Tobias. He didn't notice, the guard didn't notice until too late that a wolf was sneaking up on him and clamps down on his hand. Tobias leaps into action right after that and he takes down the second guard. The third one got a shot off, which did hit Tobias's elbow blade, but then Tobias slashed at him and took a couple of fingers off with the gun. Oh, God. I, it took me a minute to remember what morph he's in. I was like, he slashes <laughs> him with this hawk beak? Oh, yeah, he's a hork Yeah. Nope, he's a hork <laughs> uh, It's chaos. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so Cassie and Tobias are trying to get this cage open, but Cassie obviously can't. She's a wolf. It's not going to work. And Tobias is a hork which is fine, but his hands are a little bit clumsy. And that's when Marco saunters up and goes, I'll help you with this, and just tears open the cage like a bag of chips. (laughs) (laughs) And then chaos. More controllers. They're all shooting. There's a bunch of animals that are actually like wild animals that were in the cages. They are now freed, of course. So there's... Just lots of animals running around, and nobody knows who's who, and the controllers are just shooting everywhere, and there's drake and beams and guns, and then in the chaos, Tobias takes a shot through the stomach, but he still has Beck. So far, so good. Jake orders him out, and Tobias hesitates. He's like, no, I have to help you, and Jake goes, run now. So Tobias starts to go, but then Visor 3 steps into the entrance that they created, just a large hole in the wall. And uh, he starts morphing and blocking the way. So Tobias tries to get past him, but he gets acid spit right in front of him. Visor 3 then orders Tobias to surrender. And so Tobias goes, okay, I surrender. (laughs) And then Visor 3 goes, great, lay down in the mud there. I'll come back for you. Don't let the baby escape either. And Tobias is like, fucking idiot, Visor 3. He's such a fucking idiot. So then Visor 3 goes to rush past him to like, kill the other animorphs and Tobias slashes off several of his legs (laughs) which is awesome unfortunately Visor 3 retaliates by shooting him point blank range with acid and Tobias is able to roll over to protect Beck but he is then covered in acid and it is burning right through him so he jumps up and runs into the stagnant water of the alligator pit which is sweet sweet relief but he lost Beck and then everyone is ordered to retreat because the actual cops are on the way. Not the cops. <laughs> Not the cops. Anything but the real cops. yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we cut back to the meadow where Tobias is hanging out, feeling real shitty for losing back. 
um, the other hawk's becoming more bold, moving further into his territory, and he knows it's just a matter of time before this inevitable fight that they're going to have to have. And he's thinking about being half boy and half hawk and why it's his downfall when he's hunting. And then he gets interrupted by Axe, who tries a really shitty joke. Aww. Yeah. It's something about, like, what's up and something about gravitational field. I don't really remember. It was real bad. <laughs> but he tried. So he did his he best. Did. Axe is, like... Axe is one of those people that would be funny because they are so far off the mark. I know. I love oh it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Axe and Tobias and Rachel <laughs> and Marco and Jake and Cassie. Sometimes even visit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so... Axe proposes, basically, that they go and continue to stake out Aria and see what's up with her. Aria. I Aria. Her name is Aria. Now, apparently. Aria. Ariel! Ariel! <laughs> oh, God. We're not going down this nope. road. <laughs> um, so, Tobias is protesting, saying, hey, we should look for the hork instead. That's way more important than anything going on with me. And Axe goes, well, wasn't it Aria that led us to the hork in the first place? And Tobias is like can't argue with that so they go (laughs) and they are watching her all day and she does the most boring bullshit day of all fucking time (laughs) what is she even doing she like goes to a park then she goes to a restaurant then she goes to an art gallery then she like this is the most boring like if i was watching somebody my mission was spying on somebody and they started doing this shit. I'd be like, this is suspicious because of how fucking shit your day is. <laughs> like, Jesus. So, yeah, they stake it out. Axe is demorphing on roofs. That's not the important detail. The important detail is that she has the most bullshit series of shit going on in her day. And <laughs> I hate it. It's fucking day ever. She's a photographer, allegedly. She's an alleged <laughs> photographer. For wildlife. She's on safaris with lions and giraffes and zebras and cheetahs and jaguars and all sorts of amazing animals. And when she comes back to the United States of America, she goes to a bullshit park. (laughs) Take pictures of some bullshit butterflies. Except I don't think she does take pictures. She doesn't. She just carries around her camera equipment everywhere. Like, oh, look at my prop. Oh, yes, my prop. She just... I it's, bet she just fucking sits on a bench and just, like, stares off into space. Yeah, probably eats a fucking tuna sandwich she packed herself. <laughs> God, I fucking well. hate her. Sorry, I'm just really <laughs> mad at her for doing this bullshit thing. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's probably, like, better stuff to do. Um, yeah. So, anyways, they're following her around. And the only weird thing is that she keeps running back to the hotel room suspiciously. But Tobias says, eh, I think it's just a woman bathroom thing. <laughs> <laughs> Super sexist, my dude. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot he said that. Yeah. And then he, like, acts like questions him a little bit, like, what do you mean it's a girl bathroom thing? And Tobias is like, well, I think it's like a sit-stand kind of a thing. Some girls think that, like, the sitting is, like, gross, and Axe is like, what the (laughs) fuck are you talking about? (laughs) I totally forgot about that. It was super awkward, man. (laughs) Uh, But Tobias 
is saved from having to explain this any further because Arya does leave the hotel at that moment <laughs> from another weird bathroom break. Uh, so they start following her as she's walking out in the street and then a little girl breaks away from her mother, runs directly into traffic in front of a bus. Arya drops her equipment, her camera equipment, and charges into the street, tackles the girl to safety, and Tobias is amazed, saying that, of course she's not a controller. No controller would ever do this. This is great. And he's already, like, spiraling into these fantasies of, like, warm meals and a bed to sleep in and a family. And then Axe goes, yeah, no controller would do that. But the tone is a little different than Tobias's. Dun, dun, dun. Dramatic reverb. Exactly. And that's all we get. His tone was different. Doesn't tell us how, but I like it. Good boy, Axe. Axe. You get it. <laughs> you get it, Axe. I like your style. Um, so, Tobias is obviously in some sort of emotional spiral so he goes to visit rachel because he can't sleep and he's starving and he can't hunt Baby, and eat there's a lot of shit eat anything there's a lot of shit happening man like come on uh so he flies in through the window because she of course left it open for him and he sees that she's asleep so he starts to leave but she wakes up and she stops him they start to talk about the plane with Beck for a little bit, and then Tobias starts telling her about Arya and how this could be a real thing. This could be a life that he could create and and go live in and with family and, like, all these things he's never had before. And then it spirals into an argument about how Tobias is struggling as a hawk, and he's not hawk enough to be a hawk, and he's not enough of a human to live really as a human, and... He's starving, and Rachel points out that she knows he's starving. They can all see that he's struggling. They can all see that something's wrong with him. And Tobias points out, but, like, if I went human, I'd, I'd lose everything, and, and I couldn't fight anymore. And, and Rachel says, you wouldn't lose me, and then kind of explodes a little bit and says, you know, this is what we have going on is worse than Romeo and Juliet. It's worse than just not approving of someone you're dating. She brings a little bit of racism in there, saying this is not, like, even people that are mad at Jake and Cassie for being I, together because he's white and she's I black. Was, which is bullshit. I was <laughs> kind of confused about that, actually. Yeah, me too. I mean, not... Uh, Rachel's perspective on this is that is complete bullshit and it doesn't fucking matter what race yeah. you are. It doesn't matter. Like, you should be... So that's not what we're confused about. I think it was just the forced mention yeah like <laughs> i don't know see it, it could be a lot of things because it could be her trying to like mention that because just saying they can't hold hands or something like that like that's like kind of an emotional sort of thing that they have to get through that he can get around by morphing for a short period of time and blah 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 and i don't know if that was more of a mention to say like the bridge between human and like hawk boy like i don't know if she's trying to relate it to that like I'm but it's not... like the fact that cassie's black and jake's white isn't the reason they're not together but she was presenting no, it they're definitely together but she was presenting it as the reason <laughs> they weren't together like kind of see i i thought she was just presenting it as like uh the reason that she and tobias can't be together isn't a bullshit reason like racism oh gotcha it's like, like a like a physical it's a physiological, like reason yeah okay yeah exactly it's not like just some bullshit that somebody made up kind yeah. of thing yeah. you know 
Yeah, she was talking about, like, we could never go to dances together. We could never, you know, go on dates. We could never, like, do anything. And it was just an... Like, I, I'm just interested from what you thought about this because it's, like, the first time we've seen Rachel kind of break down yeah. about their relationship that they never really overtly mentioned. Yeah, this is the first time they talk about it. And I was actually surprised that Rachel was the one to bring it up. Me too. Yeah. Me too, for sure. Because, yeah. like, you know, like, it's never mentioned in her books from her perspective. And Tobias never really mm-hmm. plays that big of a role in her books, I feel like. It's always, like, Tobias is the one who thinks about Rachel a lot and who has these emotions for Rachel. So I was really shocked that Rachel was the one to, to start talking about it. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy, like, how, like, Tobias is obviously very introspective, but he's still okay at reading other people. Rachel's usually very bad at reading other people, but there's something about Tobias that we've seen this before. She can just read him. Yeah. So I don't know if it was in reaction to that, like, because clearly Tobias is struggling and he's going through some shit. And it was almost like she just had this kind of narrative that wasn't quite right, but was maybe like a part of him. Like he was going, I'll have a bed and hot meals and a family and people that love me. And his holdup was, I don't want to lose flying for one and being able to morph, but also my friends and Rachel saying like, I'll still be there for you. It was like, she was kind of reading into this narrow portion of the broader thing that he was freaking out mm-hmm. about. Cause he's freaking out about the whole and she's freaking out about their relationship. Yeah. Well, and I don't agree that, that she would still be there. Like, she can't be there in the same capacity because he wouldn't be an Animorph anymore. He'd be out of the fight. And that would create a barrier. Right. And she's saying it like, if you're out of this fight, I don't have to worry about you anymore. But he's then at home with nothing to Uh do, worrying about her while she's gone constantly fighting these battles. It's like Spider-Man and Mary Jane. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's totally... And also, that's another thing that I didn't even write down, but she does make this comment, like, if you were human, then I don't have to worry about you anymore. Like, I know you're safe if you have a place to go and to be loved. And uh. it, that was, like... First of all, interesting from a broader perspective, because that's normally something we'd see a guy character say to a girl yeah. character. Like, you go be in your castle, and that's then I don't have to worry about you while I do the heroic yeah. thing. So it was interesting to see that role mm-hmm. reversal. And then, two, just her being like, I'm worried about you more than anyone else, and it would help me to just know that you were safe. Like, mm-hmm. that's another interesting thing. Thing for her to say, I feel like, because she's not usually the one that's worried about getting people into danger. Yeah. <laughs> so. hmm. A lot to unpack in this very short conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just glad yeah. that they're talking about their feelings. God damn it. This is what I keep hoping for. Yeah, me for. too. <laughs> and then they start, and then Tobias gets upset and just leaves. <laughs> just fucks right Bye. up. <laughs> Thanks for the yeah, closure, basically. asshole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what happens. Ugh. You're not an asshole. 
You're you're a, thir- no, you're a thirteen you're... year old boy who doesn't know how to do feelings. Yeah, and he's never had to do feelings, and he's just like the fact alone from going. I've had no one my whole life to finding out like I could have a family and a place to go where somebody actually loves yeah. me. That's got to be overwhelming without the background of a fucking intergalactic war. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's totally fair enough, but like, I don't know. I'm just really nitpicky. I guess <laughs> this is my fault, not yours, Tobias. <laughs> uh, my burden to bear. But yeah. Anyways, I'll I'll move on because there's a lot of shit happening. So we cut to Tobias's meadow. He wakes up there and there are the rabbits and he's literally starving now, like critically low weight, eating muscle, that sort of stuff. Um, He also sees the other hawk and he just starts shaking with hunger and fear and a million other feelings that he can't even begin to describe. And he kind of decides right then and there that he's going to become a human and he literally flies down to the ground and starts morphing right then. But he stops himself and he says, no, we we still have a fight. We have to get Beck back. I'll do this after the fight and when it's okay for me to actually get to be a human nothlet. So he flies off and eats some roadkill. Oh my god, poor Tobias. So then we have this scene where it's the Animorph standing in front of the freed Horkbizier. And it was this moment that was very casual in the books. It just kind of opens with them standing in front of them. But this has to be such a monumental moment in this war of the Animorphs teaming up with the Horkbizier colony that they helped to free Mm -hmm. to go on this Mm -hmm. mission. Like, that's a huge step. Um. But yeah, so anyways, Toby hears their plan. The Animorphs' plan is they're just going to go spring the Yerk trap, knowing it's a trap. And they're like, what can we do? We have to get back. We, It's just what we're going to do. And um, Toby insists that the Free hork go with them as well and do whatever it takes. And Toby gets off on this tangent saying, we have to go be brutal for ourselves. Like, we have to prove to the hork that the hork fight, not the Yerks. And I don't care if people have to die for this i don't care if beck has to die for this and all the animals as soon as she says we don't care if beck dies they're like whoa 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 (laughs) hold the fuck up (laughs) yeah they did not like that shift there very big alignment shift there it was pretty great though and then marco of course you know He's kind of mocking them, and Rachel, of course, jumps on board immediately and says, that's right, if you're pushed, you push back. I get it. I get where Toby's coming from. And Marco's like, Rachel, meet Toby. Toby, Rachel, you guys can go to the psychiatrist together because you're both fucking nuts. (laughs) (laughs) So that's great. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they they move out with some Horkbizier, and they know that they're going to go spring this trap. On the way, one of the Horkbizier that goes with them introduces himself to Tobias, and he says, we fought before. And Tobias is like, what the fuck? He's like, yeah, we fought each other at the Yerk pool. He's like, you gave me the scar. <laughs> you want to know how I got this scar? It was from you. You never loved me. Um, but yeah, so he shows him this huge scar that's like across his face. Oh, no. I just pulled my headphones Yee! out. Oh. Chaos. 
Sorry, I was gesticulating too wildly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's, he's explaining, like, you know, we I got this scar from you. We fought each other at the Yerk pool, and Tobias profusely apologizes, and the horror picture goes, no, 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 I wasn't free then. I'm free now. All, all is forgiven. I wasn't free. And um, this left Tobias kind of feeling super weird, but it was a very long speech for the hork to give. So he's a little tired. He left Tobias to his own thoughts. And Tobias is, again, all over the place after this interaction. And my question for you was, I think this is one of the first blatant meetings between someone they've obviously injured and afterwards. And, like, what did you think of this, like, forgiveness and the hork just being so understanding right off the bat? Um, I mean, it kind of... It kind of echoed um, when when we first met um, Jerhammy and Ket Halpik, um, kind of, mm-hmm. like the just them being free and them like really just uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, I don't. We probably covered it in the Hork Vizier Chronicles. I should stop asking <laughs> questions about Hork Vizier until we do that. <laughs> I don't have a thought. Is sorry, cut that out. Perfect. No. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yes. So Tobias is all over the place. He's super conflicted. The group sneaks to the border of the base where the Horkbizier have been raiding to free people for the past while. And the Animorphs and the Horkbizier just took out a patrol. A few humans, a few Horkbizier. They strung up the humans in the trees. And the Horkbizier they put on the ground and then like partially buried their heads, which makes them stay unconscious for longer. Um, and the plan is to get those hork and free them after this battle. So, something that would normally be a big deal, like taking on a patrol, barely a mention. We don't see the conflict, we just hear the aftermath. Then they sneak to the edge of this hologram and sneak in to look at this base. There is a giant draken beam right in the middle of it, powerful enough to blow up mountains on the moon, Axe says. And then Axe mocks it because he was like, they should be embarrassed. For something that size, it should be way more powerful. <laughs> my junk's bigger than yours type of argument. <laughs> my junk's a lot smaller, but a lot more effective than yours. <laughs> That's Jesus. the weirdest dick measuring oh contest ever. Uh, wow. Yeah. And, never mind. I was about to get really sick with that, but I'm just going <laughs> to. Leave the sex talk for Stephanie. You want to get into that dirty shit? You go back to Andalite Chronicles where you belong. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, so they keep observing and they see Beck and he is being held in a cage that is in the middle of nowhere, open with no guards. And they're like, really? You didn't think that we would know this was a trap? Really? You really didn't think that? So they're like, all right, well, let's just get into it. And the plan is that they're going to send a normal-looking raiding group of hork which is three to four usually. They have four. And they're going to morph bug and ride these hork in so it looks like it's just a raiding party, nothing weird going on, and then they can, you know, blow shit up, whatever they yep. do best. Um. And so they do that, and everybody got to pick their bug of choice. Marco picked a spider because he is sick of all the other bugs and all the other shit that (laughs) happened. Um, Tobias picked flea because you cannot destroy them. There's some cockroaches and a mosquito, which, (laughs) shitty choice for whatever. Which one do you pick? That's my question to you. Hmm. Um, 
Well, I didn't have Marco's flea experience, so I too would probably go flea. But spider's pretty tempting as well. Mm. But I think I'd go flea probably if I knew other people were looking out. Like if I needed to have eyes myself, I might choose a spider. But yeah, for this sort of trap, probably yeah. flea. What, what would you do? Um, I wrote down that I would do a cockroach because they're hardy. Mm. But mm-hmm. that's fair. That would probably be the only morph to survive this Draken cannon going off. <laughs> Uh, yeah so yep they get caught which is fine and then we get the most benny hill chapter oh my of god this entire book oh my god even more so than the, yeah. the chaotic animal zoo escapades yes way more so because of the corny jokes the weird things happening like, if you could just imagine this entire thing, like, just loop that under this entire next <laughs> chapter I'm about to describe to you. So they decide Tobias will be the one to demorph because he's the smallest and they can hide him the easiest. So he says to the hork circle around me while I demorph and slowly grows. They can kind of see him when he's a couple inches big. They're like, great, got it. As he continues to demorph, the hork are literally all gathered around him in a circle, staring at him. And he goes, turn around and face outward. It's a little less obvious. So they about face. He continues his demorph. He gets back to Hawk, and he just walks out of the cage between the bars. <laughs> walks behind a shed. And a freaking guard like, hork just kind of looks at him and is like, eh, that seems normal. Yeah, he's like, well, fuck it. This is happening, I guess. <laughs> um, so he goes behind a shed. He then starts morphing to Horkbizur, walks out from behind the shed up to the other Horkbizur who's guarding the cage and says, oh, they want you. And he's like, they? Is the visitor here yet? And he goes, hmm, and pretends like he can't say. And as this guard starts freaking out, like, oh, God, the visitor's going to chop off my head. He's like, oh, give me the key and get inside. They want you. So he hands over the key. And then as soon as that Horkbizur leaves, Tobias just turns around and punches the other Horkbizur guard <laughs> in the face. Like... Fuck it. <laughs> and then he unlocks the cage. And then they all come bounding out and, like, taking out the guards. There's a brief battle. But Axe is then demorphing himself to Andalite. And he just takes out the rest of them. Fine. Great. So then they all go to battle morph. And they're like, nailed it. Great mission, guys. <laughs> like, they got the kid back. They're all in battle morph. Let's blow this place up, which, you know, of course, their plan is literally just to put the Draken beam into the ground and, like, explode it. So, great. Um, that's when Tobias goes up to start scouting, and things go terribly awry. Uh, there's a helicopter coming in. It contains a human form. He can't see through the windshield at first, so he doesn't really know, but he knows that the visitor was expected. So, when Tobias finally does catch a glimpse of who's in there, it's Arya. Oh, no. Arya's Visa oh, 3. No, <gasps> no one suspected this. What a what shock. It is, it's horrifying for Tobias. It is a shock for it. Tobias. He falls from the sky into the dirt. He didn't realize how important this hope of family was to him. He overlooked a lot of shit to just have this hope. And he starts berating himself for it. He starts calling himself stupid. And how could you do this? And just rages and rages. And then as he's like laying in the dirt, he starts just like 
screaming at himself and he knows his friends are in a fight for their lives and he just cannot bring himself to get up. So he's laying in the dirt talking about how much he fucking hates himself and he just he's disgusted with himself. He hates himself and he's still laying there in the dirt until finally somebody comes and picks him up. It's a hork and he realizes it's Toby. She saw him fall out of the sky and brought in reinforcements she runs with him into the woods, gets him to safety. Eventually, the other animorphs show up, and Toby hands him over to Rachel. And he keeps saying, like, I don't know how she knew to hand me to Rachel, but I'm glad she did. They get back to the barn. Cassie checks him over, and she's like, there's nothing wrong with Where were you shot? Where were you injured? And Tobias is my finally heart. able to drag up. In my heart. <laughs> right in my heart. Um. But yeah, he's finally able, able to drag up that Arya is Visor 3 and that this was all a trap. And he has this really, like, horrific, like, ha-ha, isn't that funny? Ha-ha-ha. Like, Aww. horrific moment. And that's where we end that chapter. Baby. It's horrible. I felt so bad for him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Baby. I don't know. It didn't give me the same, like, sense of complete despair that book three did, but it definitely was not a happy time. No, especially because he kept screaming, like, I hate you, I hate you, I want you to die, I wish you would die. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel for him. Um, but. Somehow he has to pull it together because he has to walk into this meeting the next day, his birthday, and find out what the fuck is happening. So he morphs to human eight blocks away from this lawyer's office and walks all the way in, thinking about how shitty walking is and how much he hates being a human. He makes it to the office and walks in. The receptionist is gone, but Arya and DeGroat meet him there. Arya goes in for the hug, and when he tries to pull away, she says, Hey, we're family. I want to take care of you. I want to make sure you're okay. Tobias, of course, knows this is a lie. He's not being pulled into this fucking narrative that she's spinning here. Um, And he notices, too, that DeGroat kind of holds himself back from Arya. Mm -hmm. And Tobias is like, you wouldn't notice it unless you were looking for it, but he clearly doesn't want to get too close. And uh, so that way, Tobias discerned that DeGroat was a yep. controller. Fun and games. <laughs> they get into the office, and the lawyer is trying to bait Tobias. DeGroat was trying to bait Tobias. But it doesn't really work, since he kind of forgot to make facial expressions. I liked that they addressed that. Like, the yeah. fact that he's been a hawk for so long, he hasn't had to make facial expressions. And now, mm-hmm. having this poker face really, really helps him out. In this particular instance. Yeah. yeah. I I loved that. And I also liked that um, they mentioned it way earlier in the book. But, like, now that he's kind of been forced to be tough, he's a little bit better in situations mm-hmm. like this. Like, where he won't crumble. He can kind of, like, play act and, like, put on this, like, you know, well, fuck you kind yeah. of a front. So I really liked that. And I liked that they used it so effectively yeah. here. So... Um, yes, they want to start to get into reading the will or estate or whatever the fuck this is. 
And Arya has a momentary slip where she snaps it to Grote to start reading it Damn, now. And then she's like, Haha, I, sorry, I just really want to know what Real it's about. Real subtle. <laughs> Super subtle. Fucking bitch. <laughs> anyway. Well, I mean, it's Mr. 3, so. Mr. 3. <laughs> I know. He's the fucking worst. Um, so this is, like, the most intense chapter of this whole book. Um, the lawyer starts reading this letter from his father... And Arya and the lawyer are hanging on to every reaction that Tobias might have. And it starts out talking about how this was uh, evidence left by the being that took him back. This letter that they're reading is evidence. And uh, that evidence that, oh, God, let me take another run at that. That was not good. That uh, this letter was evidence left that the being that took him back allowed him to leave for Tobias to talk to him and and to get through that he was his father and so on and so forth and hopes that he had. And at this point, like, Arya and DeGroat are, like, crowding around Tobias and he's just, like, rolling his eyes at shit like this letter saying that he had to leave Earth because he was not human. Tobias is like, fuck, great. But on the inside, he's dying! (laughs) Uh, so they continue on to tell him that, well, on Earth, he took the name Alan Fangor. His true name is Elfangor Serenial Shamtul. And at that, the lawyer and Arya are, like, focused on Tobias's face. And the lawyer is reading from memory. He's not even oh, looking God. at this letter anymore. And Tobias, externally, did not react a bit to hearing this name. Internally, he was like, I was electrified like he was like this is insane and um when he didn't react some of the tension and electricity just kind of left Mm -hmm. the room and visor three aria and the lawyer are both kind of a little deflated and tobias is just sitting there wondering if that night at the construction site elfangor knew that his son was there that he was talking to his son and of course we know that he did he knew he'd meet his son again um But Tobias doesn't know that. And then he also says he's sitting in this room with his father's killer and he starts to tear up, but then realizes like, this is, I can't, I can't react in here. So he just makes another sarcastic comment like, oh, right. Okay. That's crazy guy, I guess. Um, And they continue to read this document and the lawyer's kind of reading it like, okay, well, this fuck, like, I just want to be anywhere but here. But it's telling Tobias how much he he can't say he loves him because he's never met him, but how much he wanted to love him and how much he wanted to be there with him and his mother and how much that would mean to him and how he didn't want to leave him, but he had to go do this thing and, and fight and continue with this play acting and the other parts of the galaxy. And at the end of it, Tobias is just like, great, you're crazy, and says something like, and Arya, like, do you, you really want to still take care of me? And Arya makes some, Visor 3, makes some lame excuse like, oh, I, I would, but right now I, I can't because I've been called back to Africa to shoot some lions. <laughs> <laughs> I just and got the phone call now. Tobias, I just got the phone call right now. And Tobias goes, great. So my father's crazy and you're a flake. Great. And um, he starts to get ready to leave. And Arya, Visor 3, just stops for a moment and has like, this weird connection where he says, I knew your father, I knew Elfangor, and he's 
a fantastic person and the galaxy is never going to see the likes of him again. And like Tobias dismisses it. And as he's leaving, <laughs> he hears the lawyer saying, should we just take him just in case? And Visitor 3 goes, it would be a waste of a year. He's just some street trash. The son of Elfanger should be a great warrior, not this. Wow. And I was like, if only you fucking knew. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> if only you fucking knew. If he took a moment to step back a little, maybe he would know that the son of Elfangor is such a good warrior that he just fucked you, Visitor <laughs> 3. Yeah. Sorry. Dude. I was really so proud of Tobias he in this moment. so good. He's so good. He's so, so good. He can take so much. Um, but yeah, he leaves. He demorphs to Hawk because he's been inhuman a while. And then after everything kind of washes over him, he remorphs to human and just cries for a really long time. I know. I know. Um, not much longer, but Tobias heads back to his meadow to contemplate how lucky he just got seeing Arya in the helicopter and putting together that it was Visitor 3. Otherwise, he actually might have fallen for this trap. But then he wonders why the Elemist, of course, because of course that's who took his father away. We all know the Elemist did this. How he could allowed he could have allowed Elfangor to leave the letter. And then he goes, well, it's simple. It was to keep me in the fight when I needed to be in the fight. So now he kind of has... A lot of different things going on inside of him that have totally shifted his perspective on who his family is and what he has to fight for and so on and so forth. Um, And so with that newfound perspective and some of the conflict within him resolved, he goes hunting in his meadow and he sweeps down and lands on the mother rabbit. And he does have that perspective switch where he sees the fear and the predator and the pain But he still, he just goes through with it and gets over it. And then he starts to acquire her. Then he kills her and he eats her. And then he morphs her and takes care of the babies in the meadow. What? (laughs) Yeah. All right. And I think this was supposed to be some great, like, understanding, like, the circle of life. But... It just kind of came off as fucked up. (laughs) So, yeah. um, But he takes care of the babies, protects them from the other hawk in the meadow, and then starts talking about how all of this is part of the tightrope that he has to walk to maintain his humanity and his hawkdom and to balance out himself. And then we end with him flying to Rachel's house. He goes through her window again, wakes her up, She grouches at him for a while, but nonetheless produces a small cake and a candle, which Tobias flapped out with his wings, and she said, Happy birthday, Tobias. Oh, no. The end. Fuck. Yeah. So, this book took me ten years to write notes for. (sighs) I'm sad for Tobias. I'm sad for everything. I knew it couldn't be. Just because, like, of his situation where he either has to give up his his morphing powers to be human and get out of the fight like Mm -hmm. i understand like you have never had a family that loves you and and the draw to have that is so strong that maybe it's worth it yeah 
But for a bit, I thought maybe um, Arya would turn out to be legit, and then he would have to make the choice of, you know, going with her and having a family or giving it up to be an Animorph. And I thought maybe he would, that would be like the, the penultimate decision was he would give up the chance to be happy. Right. And that's huge. That would be another amazing conflict to revolve this mm-hmm. book around. Would be yeah. that. But it was not. But now me. he knows who his father is. He does. He knows who his father is. And now in a weird way, he actually kind of does have a family because he's going to realize pretty soon that Axe is his Axe family. Axe is his uncle, which is weird. <laughs> it's weird, but like it eventually in a weird fucked up way kind of gives him exactly what he wants most. Yeah. But I mean, I, I guess there's kind of an element of, of found family, too, with the other animals. For sure. Although, For sure. with them, I feel like they're not really, like, family yet. Because I think they all have their kind of, like, well, Cassie it probably considers Jake to be family. And Jake and Rachel technically are family. And they're becoming, mm-hmm. you know, closer, you know, because of all the David Sadler shit from the last book. And like, you know, yeah. like they, I don't just, I don't feel yet that all six of them feel like each other is necessarily family. Like, like Marco right. and Cassie probably consider each other to be coworkers. But yeah, like I, I want them eventually to get to a point where they're, they have that realization that like, we are the most important people to each other. Even if we right. don't necessarily want to be, we are like, we're brothers in arms, we're family, we're friends. Etc. That's always like a weird take for this book, though, because they most of them do have family right at hand. And it's not like a war movie where or a war book where they're, you know, on this foreign land or they're away from people. And so their family is who's around them. At the end of the day, they go home to their families. Yeah. Like, so it's it's a weird like I, I, too, want them to have that found family. But it's a weird dynamic because they never lost their mm-hmm. family. But each other are the only people who know and understand what each other is going through. Yeah, that for sure we've mm-hmm. seen yeah. happen. I Honestly, I don't even know why. This, this is why Tobias is in every other rotation. Because his books are just heavy as hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they like, they take are. so much. that i mean that could be true but like i say that and yet i have so much admiration for tackling the feelings and the questions like this like when he just like in the middle of combat just loses it and like just lays down in the dirt like yeah that's not a perspective we get from war books and from battles and from people we're following we always like seeing a hero break down like that Uh and face that emotional emotional turmoil is just that's excellent like it's heavy but like i still would like to check in more than every like 14 (laughs) books (laughs) like (sighs) okay character ranking character ranking Who do we want? Jake. Let's do Jake. How do we feel about Jake in this book? 
I, Jake had nothing to do in this book, but he had some really great one-liners. Like, when they were talking about what bugs to be to infiltrate the, the Yerk place. Mm-hmm. Like, he helpfully offers, oh, I got slapped as a fly once. Like, when everyone's comparing, <laughs> like, oh, this bug is the worst because of this thing. And, oh, I almost got trapped as a flea. I got slapped as a fly once. It's like, thanks, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for your contribution, bud. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, um, that, and he has a lot of moments here. They mock him for it, but he has moments oh, of, yeah. like, just being a great leader, and they're like, thanks, Patton. Yeah. What up? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, Jake. Yeah, he's clearly still doing his research into, like, war mm-hmm. figures, famous war figures, and he is like, I am going to fuck shit up. Yeah. Uh, uh I'm giving him a three. You're giving him a three? Yeah. Like, solid, very good, was not really in this book that much. So, solid three. Yeah. I'm probably going to give him a four. Just because I love him. I love it. Let's go with Rachel next. <laughs> ten. Straight ten. ten. <laughs> oh, no. I, okay. I'm... I always do this. I'm sorry. I'm giving her a five, okay? Yeah. Let me tell you why. (laughs) One, obviously, I continually give her the highest star rating because I am biased and I apparently can't not show it. Right. But I loved her in this book because we got crazy Rachel. We got reckless. We're running into battle. I'm laughing at the sheer insanity of this Rachel. And then we saw Rachel that was a 13-year-old girl trying to work out her first relationship where she has heavy feelings. And in that moment, she was still strong Rachel. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. Yeah, she's, God, she's becoming so much more fleshed out, and it's just fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she is. And I just loved everything that happened. I also loved when... She was pushing Tobias for more details. Like, I can tell you're not right. And she was, like, trying not to intrude, but, like, yeah, but being towing like, that line. you can talk to me if you want mm-hmm. to. I'm here for mm-hmm. you. So, yeah. ten stars. Okay. So a five, then. <laughs> so a five. <laughs> In accordance to the rules that we set arbitrarily. Yes. Okay, five as well from me. Five. Um... If you can't tell, I'm just going in order of books, so now we're doing Tobias. <laughs> five. This is his book. I give him a five. I give him a five. <sighs> Complex range of emotion. It was his book. Complex range of emotion. Um, and, like, even when we... When we... I say we because I'm dragging you with me. Even when I was hard on him and thought some of the stuff he did was stupid, I have to bring it back to he's a scared little kid that's never had a family that had this dangled in front of him and doesn't get it. So he acted way more mature than I would have done at his age. <laughs> and I love it. So five for him too. Yes, I agree. Um, who else is in this book? Axe is in this book. Five. Axe, yeah. Cause Axe he's my favorite is. and he's great always. Yeah, he is. He is wonderful. I like how you have all these, like, you know, nice, nuanced reasons why you rank the characters as, as you do. <laughs> like, you have this justification, and I'm just like, Axe gets a five because he's my baby. 
I did that with Rachel. I gave her a 10. No, we don't even have you a 10. Gave, you gave a reason, though. <laughs> I guess. Um, no, Axe was great in this book, too. Like, he, uh, especially when he came up to Tobias and, like, tried to tell a joke, and it mm-hmm. didn't work. But he's trying something, and I love that about him. <laughs> uh, he's wonderful in this book. Uh, Cassie. Was she in this book? Yes. I'm giving her two. She said that nice thing to Axe. Her. Oh, okay, three. But then... (laughs) (laughs) Other than that, um, she bit a dude's hand as a wolf. Yes. Yeah. That's about it for her. So, like, she was here. Three. She she, She said the nice thing to Axe. (laughs) She was present, so she gets a middle-of-the-road three. Oh. Um, And then Marco. Marco. He's getting a four because of his introduction to Toby and Rachel, where he said... Insanity, meet other insanity, go to your psychiatrist together. I liked that joke, so I give him a four. <laughs> Otherwise, like not like, not really in this book either. Yeah, I I feel like it's it's becoming very formulaic, and maybe it always has been, and I just noticed it now. But basically, you have the main character whose book it is, and then like two other major player characters, and then everybody else mm-hmm. is, takes the back seat. Do you feel like that? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, I feel like that too. I everywhere except the books where it switches their perspectives. Yeah. And even then, I think sometimes we get the sense of like when we switch a perspective, this is the main character and here are their two big players, mm-hmm. and then we switch and we're like this is the main character and here are their two big players. Like Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I feel that. This was a pretty good book, yes. I would say. I liked it. <sighs> I liked it too. I liked it too. And I shudder to think what our next book is. It's a Cassie book, right? It is indeed a Cassie book. Mm-hmm. Ah, fucking hate this next book. Oh no, really? I shouldn't have said that. Oh no. <laughs> it was an anteater. An anteater is a great animal. Yep. Yep. Oh no, is it an ant book? I can't handle nope. that. No, it is not an ant book. Okay. And that is all the detail I will give you. Stop dragging these details out of me tell me tell me what happens you like the magic school bus yeah cool why not gonna tell you god damn it (laughs) oh my god what does that even mean why are you doing this you are going to read the next book and you're gonna be like i understand everything (laughs) all right where can we find us? On the internet. Find us on the internet at anonymous... An- nope. Yes. Animorphsanonymous.com. Animorphsanonymous.com. Anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com because our Gmail is backwards. <laughs> uh, Twitter is at animorphsanon because we couldn't fit the whole title. Uh, Instagram at animorphsanonymous. And uh, on Facebook, we have our... Animorphs Anonymous group, but we also have a super secret, super cool group called the Andalite Bandalites, which is at facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. And um, if you are have requested access to that, to that group and it's taking a little longer, I apologize. The notifications aren't getting to me quickly, but I will add you soon. And you can come talk to us about secret things. If you don't like your podcast service at the moment, you can switch to a different one. We are on most podcast services, such as Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Podbean, uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify? 
Yeah, we're on Spotify now. We're on Spotify now. Woo! Woo! Big leagues. Big leagues. And speaking of Spotify and music, tell me about your comic. Oh, I have a comic. It's about music. It's called Beside You. Uh, and that's uh, B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U.com. No, sorry. BesideYouComic.com. But spelled like Beside <laughs> like the record. Oh my god, this is bad. Um, anyway, it's, <laughs> it's what I do. All right, oh. cool. Let's get out of here. All right. Let's do it. Let's make like Tobias and just fly away and end this conversation mid. Sentence. (laughs) Dear God. All right. Bye.